So say with me healing, say deliverance, and say repentance of sin. When Jesus preached, his threefold ministry was, he preached three things. He preached the kingdom of God, wherever he was going, and it, and it uh, 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 incorporated or encapsulated three areas. He preached repentance of sin. He preached divine healing. And he preached deliverance or casting out of demons. And uh, meaning that we cannot remove ourselves from this type of ministry or from the type of preaching that carries the repentance of sin, that carries uh, healing, and that carries deliverance. If any man of God tries to preach something and they don't focus or they don't cover those three areas in their ministry. For example, they'll just preach salvation, but they never touch on healing or they never touch on deliverance. It is not a true man of God. When Jesus preached, say with me, sozo. The word salvation is in the Greek sozo. It means healing, deliverance, and salvation, which is repentance of sin. Are you guys with me? Go with me to, go with me to Luke chapter number 2, verse 13. And I want us, I'm going to get just touched on a few verses tonight. I want you to keep this in your spirit. As we, as we getting ready and we're going to minister to you tonight. So I want you to, 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 to keep these verses in your spirit when we're going to begin to pray for you. Say with you the will of God. Say it again. Say the perfect will, the good will, and the acceptable will. Listen to this. Let me just read it here. And suddenly... There was with the angel of a multitude, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, goodwill, say with me, goodwill, towards men. I'm going to read it again. He says, glory to God. So this is the angel speaking with multitudes with him. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Say with me, peace. Rest. Good will. Meaning it is God's perfect will to have good will towards men. To have peace towards men. Are you guys with me? If there's any suggestion in your mind to say, I deserve what I have today. When it comes to sickness or when it comes to, when it comes to failures or troubles, it is not the will of God. Say with me, good will. You see, there is a, 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 a a revelation that David caught of the realm of the spirit that if we understand what Satan's will is towards us is death destruction and that is it if an evil spirit can have its way upon your life he will rip you to pieces he will rip your soul to pieces da David had this revelation and he says the bulls of Bashan is surrounding me they are ready to rip me apart. Are you guys with me? 
Meaning when he was speaking of the bulls of Bashan, he was speaking of demons that were coming against him. When Paul was saying the beast of Ephesus, he was speaking of a principality and a demon in the city that was resisting him. That there's a realm of the spirit that is more real than what we see in the physical year. When we come into Kruyazorp, I remember when we just started preaching here, that when you drive over the mountain there, coming into Kruyazorp, you drive in with this dark cloud. If anybody is sensitive to the spirit, when you come from the outside in, you can feel this weight of heaviness. And we preached and there was like 60 people here. And we preached our heart out and there was 60, 80 people. Until an atmosphere was shifted and broken open. Say with me portals. Say portals. There are portals in the realm of the Spirit that opens up over a place. That once God has been encountered in a location, He repetitively visits that location. There is a residue that is left behind. For example, Bethel was a portal. Abraham did sacrifices by Bethel. He encountered God at Bethel. Then his, uh, his grandson, Jacob, got to Bethel. And as he walked past Bethel, he had an encounter with God. As he was there, the second place, he saw the angels going from top to bottom. Are you guys with me? He wrestled an angel there through the night. Where? At a place called Bethel. Which means that because there was altars set up there before, there was a spiritual entity left behind there. A spiritual force from heaven. Residue of an encounter that his grandfather had before. Now if there can be portals from heaven, there are altars and portals of the enemy that is set up in a place, in a location. And when Satan is worshipped in that location, continuously, and I'm not speaking of worship by putting on a pentagram and, uh, and on laying on a pentagram or, or laying on a, uh, putting on dark clothes and lying on a pentagram. I'm not speaking of that. I'm speaking of a worship of an entity, whether it's mammon, whether it's racism, whether it's poverty or religion, false religions that there is in Krugersdorp. It feeds a principality and it begins to rule and govern over that city. And it influences the minds of those people. Meaning, if there's a spirit of racism, you will have people in that vicinity be more prone to racism. Unless the kingdom of God can come and displace the kingdom of darkness and supply or plant the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of darkness has to be cast out and replaced by the kingdom of light. Are you guys with me? It requires a church or a movement or a people that carries the kingdom of God, that can preach with a demonstration, that can minister under the anointing of the Holy Ghost to break and shift atmospheres. So there is portals. So with the portals, another portal was by uh, Jordan River where Jesus was, was being baptized by John. John the Baptist in the same spot where he baptized Jesus, baptized his other disciples. In the same spot, Joshua crossed over the Jordan. In the same spot, 
Elijah crossed over the Jordan in the same spot, Elisha came and took the mantle of Elijah and hit the waters and said, where is the God of Elijah? And power was released and the waters were split. There's something, say with me, in a location. There's something in a right location. And there's something in a wrong location. Matthew 17 verse 3. Put it me on the screen. Matthew 17 verse 3. Listen to this. Or go from verse 1. And I'm just going as the Holy Spirit leads. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Say with me, a high mountain. Next verse. And he was transfigured before them. His countenance changed. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. Why did he go up a mountain? Are you guys with me? Why did Jesus walk up to a specific mountain, which they say is the same location relative in the realm of the Spirit when it comes to things, other instances that we will see. Let's go to verse 3, or next verse, wherever this is. And behold, say with him, Moses and Elijah appeared to him talking with him. So you have Jesus standing on the mountain, Peter, James, and John, and Moses and Elijah appeared to him. Say with me location. Moses was on a mountaintop. And the Bible says when he saw God face to face, the Bible says that the Lord took him and put him into the cleft of a rock, covered him by his hand, and moved past him and said to him, my face you will not see, which is a contradiction of scripture. We'll explain that now why. My face you will not see, but my back you will see. Are you guys with me? He didn't mean his physical face. For example, Rishay, just come and stand here. Well, let's go up. Stand, uh, yes, you stand there. So you're Moses in the cleft of the rock. If you're looking this way, no. If you look, turn that way. You're in the cleft of the rock. Now I'm God coming past you. And I'm just paraphrasing, I'm not going to the scripture references, but you can read it. This is quote unquote. And the Bible says, and the Lord passed by him. And he said, my face you will not see, but my back you will see. What does that mean? The faith, word face there is not the same as your physical face. When I walk past Rishay like this, if he has to look at my face, for example, turn around and look at my face, you will look at everything behind me. Am I right? But if you look at my back, 
you will look at where I'm going. So Moses said, and so the Lord said, So God said to Moses, my face you cannot look because you're not allowed to see anything before time began that was behind me. But you're allowed to see into the future where I'm going. And Moses in that moment could see up until the cross and even beyond it. Are you guys with me? And he was so with me on a mountain and the Lord covered him with his hand and his glory passed by him and Moses appeared on the mountain by Jesus thanks then there's another place where Elijah is being chased by Jezebel and he finds himself on a mountain in a cave And he raps, in fact, he tried to hear the word of the Lord and the voice of the Lord and he couldn't. It was not in the thunder, it was not in the storm, it was not in the fire. And he wrapped his head with a mantle. Are you guys with me? He wrapped his head with a mantle. He covered his head in authority. And the moment he covered his head, he heard a still small voice. And it is just not by chance that Jesus would be on a mountain and those two prophets who had a mountain experience, Moses, Elijah who slayed the prophets on the mountain of Carmel. Are you guys with me? Both of them met Jesus on a mountaintop. So scholars will tell you there's an explanation in the realm of the Spirit when it comes to Moses' experience and Jesus' experience that when Moses, excuse, that's low sitting, when Moses was covered in the glory of God and he saw everything from this moment on in the future, that they say the moment he saw Christ. Let me explain something. Was the moment that Jesus stood on the mountain and saw him. Give me a paper, uh, uh, just like a piece of paper. So when you get to, no, a piece of paper. There we go. So when you get to, and many of you know this, but when you get to quantum mechanics and how things work in the Spirit, that is why you are able to pray in the Spirit, in other tongues, and pray the perfect will of God. You can pray for somebody on the other side of the world, and God can, from a place of defeat, begging God he said I gave you authority to cast out devils not I asked you to ask me to cast out devils no I gave you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover not once did we see Jesus asking God to heal somebody he had what we call the prayer of command. He commanded the sick to be healed. Why? His word said so. Are you, are you guys with me? So there's a place that we can live or be in the spirit where you can be elevated and you can look at people, you can look at situations from a different perspective because you're coming from a place of victory.
So let's put on this, let's put on the on the on the screen. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. In the King James Version. So according as his divine power has given unto us all things. Say with me, has. Okay, there it says have, but it is has in English, meaning this is a past thing. He has given it already to you. You need to just positionally get into this verse to say, I have been given already. Say with me, all things. Does it say some things? All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us unto glory and virtue. Are you guys with me? Now check the next verse. Whereby are given unto us, are given, has been done already, unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. What is the promise of God for your life? He says, look, you are not like, and I know we preach a little bit contrary the last two days because we preach relative to just spiritual. We're not preaching step-by-step -step theological that'll kill a person. If you're just getting theology in, you're getting in the letter and death will begin to set in. So even though as Israel, you have to still get into your promised land with Canaan, there are spiritual promises, gifts, inheritances, that is already yours. It just takes a matter of faith, meaning your physical life might not manifest it yet, but He has given you deliverance. It is a matter of just receiving it. If He has promised you finances, it is a matter of getting it from the realm of the Spirit to manifest in this life. So whereby so we read the first verse, then it goes to the fourth verse. Whereby are given unto us exceedingly. Say with me, exceedingly. Exceed. Not little, exceedingly great. Very great. Be above and beyond great. And precious promises. That by these, what? The promises. You might be, part, say with me, partakers of the divine nature of God. This means if I look at a picture of God, whatever is in my life that will not be in God is not allowed in my life. Why? I am partakers of His divine grace. Yeah, of His divine, say with me, nature. That means when Jesus was on the mountaintop, Matthew 17 verse 3, and His face began to shine, and His clothing began to go as bright as the sun, as the brightness of the sun, that it would blind people. Same thing with Moses. When Moses was on the mountain, what happened after he encountered God? He came down, and His face was shining. Now the scholars will tell you because He looked into the shining face of Jesus in Matthew 17 verse 3. Are you guys with me? When we see Jesus' face shining like that, and we see Moses' face shining like that coming from the mountain, what is happening? It is their nature that it has been turned into a divine nature. Are you guys with me? Moses, 
being 80 days in the glory of God, uh, no water, no food. His face shines with such brightness that the Israelites had to run away from him 15 miles. They were vomiting and having diarrhea. Three million Israelites. That is a mess, okay. So, and Moses was coming down the mountain with his face shining, being 80 days in the presence of God, no food, no water. And the Bible says that at the age of 120, his eyes was not dim. And he had the strength of a young man that God had to tell him, go to that mountain and die because you've spent so much time in the glory, your nature has become divine. Why was Enoch taken? Because his nature became so divine that he was not allowed to be on this earth. And he has to come back to, lie, to die a normal death. Are you guys with me? Elijah taken up. He has to come back to die a normal death. Moses would have been taken up if God didn't tell him to go die. So, partakers, say with me, partakers of the divine nature of God. Did our live stream drop now or not? Hey? Hey? Did it drop? Did it cut? Oh, oh no, no, no. Okay. Just wanted to know. Because we have a lot of people, we have over a thousand people that's watching as well. So, um, uh, where, where's the scripture? So, with the partakers, having escaped. So, let, let me read it from the beginning. Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature of God. And through this partaking of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. So how do I escape this corruption and this fallen nature that is going on around us? Business not working. Family members coming against, against you. Uh, finances not coming in or sickness. How do I escape that? So with the partakers of the divine nature. Go with you to Luke 13. And I'm really just just flowing in a sense of that I hope that the scriptures will land with you. 13 verse 10. Because I want you to catch, say with me, healing. Don't worry, deliverance will also be there tonight, but deliverance will be more tomorrow night. Tonight I want to focus on healing, and healing works with deliverance. Whether God heals people's hearts of rejection, or whether He does physical healing. Say with me, His goodwill is healing. Listen to this. Now, I know you know this story, but I'm just going to bring it from a little bit of a different angle. And he was teaching. Uh, put in the New King James for me. New King James. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And we know it. We taught on this. And she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to a woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately 
she was made straight and she began to glorify God. When people are healed, they glorify God. When there's no healing in a church, no deliverance in a church, that church cannot glorify God. Verse 4, uh, 14, verse 14, next verse. But the rulers of the synagogue, listen to this, answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. <laughs> and he, you know, some people, I, 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 I wrote something on Facebook somewhere. And I was answering somebody and I said, no, I said, no, I raised up a team that is doing certain things uh, that, is, that, is, that is ministering to the people and when it comes to deliverance. So one Karen came on and uh, commented on, 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 on the thing. She says, I, now have a, I followed you for so many years, but now I have a concern because you raised them up and not Jesus. Shut up. Sometimes some people are so good, they are too good for God to use them. They are too religious. Why are you healing this lady on the Sabbath, Jesus? The law says one, two, three. I am the law, he said. If you, you, you've been studying your whole lives, the law, and when you see the law in person, you cannot even recognize him. You search the scriptures for eternal life, yet eternal life is standing in front of you and the scriptures are standing in front of you. When we are so good and full of religion, we can become blinded to what God wants. Are you guys with me? So, he's saying, I, I raised, you know, Jesus didn't raise them up. Then go to a church where Jesus is raising them up. But the Bible says God will use people. Where's God? Where's Jesus? Is he sitting here as a person that is going to raise you? Let me leave everybody. Let me even not preach. Jesus is going to preach. The stupidity. Where, where are we? So this, the, the religious leaders, the rulers of the synagogue, they were mad with indignation and says, you're not abiding by the law because Jesus had healed it on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowds, there are six days on which men ought to work. Jesus was telling the crowd, there are six days to what men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered, sorry, they were saying to the crowd, the Lord then answered him and said, hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to, water, to the water? So ought not this woman, say with me, ought not. ought not. This woman being a daughter of Abraham. Put it in the King James, I just want to see something. Okay, no, this is fine. It's the same, but I'll leave it on here. And ought not. Say with me, ought not. He said, listen here. Is this woman not exempt because she is a child of Abraham? Say with me, exempt. I'm just thinking points in my head on how to communicate this through. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, 
whom Satan has bound all these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Say with me, a daughter of Abraham. Jesus said, she is exempt from being in a place of bondage and healing is for her because of one thing. She is a daughter of Abraham. She is from the seed of Abraham. Go with me to Galatians chapter number 3 verse 16. Say with you the seed of Abraham. Now listen to this. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and not to the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. Say to me now to Abraham. So the scripture is saying, listen, the promises of God, what promises? The promises that I just read. Be ye partakers of the divine nature to all these things of the promises of God. Are you guys with me? So the promises that we just read, the Bible is saying it is for Abraham and Abraham's seed. According to this, this is the Jewish people. This is not us as Gentiles. Are you guys with me? But go to Galatians chapter number 3 verse uh, 29. Galatians 3 verse 29. And if ye be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Go with you to Galatians 3 verse 7. Galatians 3 verse 7. Know you therefore that they which are of faith. Put in the New King James for me. Just stay with me on this one. Guys, be quicker on the scriptures. Therefore, know that only those, stay with me, who are of faith, are sons of Abraham. Jesus said, is this woman not exempted from suffering? Because she is a daughter of Abraham. Say with me, I am a seed of Abraham. Say, I'm a seed of faith. I'm exempted. Now listen. Meaning that is healing for everyone? No. Jesus specifically said, it is for the daughter or the seed of Abraham. Otherwise, he would have healed everyone. He chose whom to heal. But healing is for the seed of Abraham. And if you are of the seed of Abraham, if you are of the seed of faith, meaning if you're sitting here today and you're saying, I am in Christ, I am of Christ, I have faith, I'm in the church, that healing is for you. Are you guys with me? Say, I receive healing. I am a seed of Abraham. Healing is mine. Deliverance is mine. Freedom is mine. The promises is mine. Go to Galatians 3 verse 29 again. Galatians 3 verse 29. He said, And is according to the promise, uh, put it for me verse 16. Let me see verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. What promises? Every promise and blessing that is locked up in Abraham. Where the Bible says, Abraham, if any man blesses you, they will be blessed. 
if anyone curses you, they will be cursed. You'll, are you guys with me? You will be blessed going in, blessed going out. You'll be blessed in your, in your marketplace. You'll be blessed at home. The fruits of your field will multiply. The livestock you will be blessed in. In every area you'll be blessed in. The promises of Abraham. If these promises is to Abraham and his seed, who's Abraham and his seed? Say with me, we are of faith. I am Abraham's seed. Have your seats, have your seats. Are you guys with me? Say with me, God's perfect will. What is His will, His perfect will? What is, what is God's will? It is for me to be a partaker of the divine nature. His good will and His peace to be upon me. Now there are three ways that trouble comes to people. Three kinds of trouble, if I can say it as such. Three kinds of trouble that uh, comes on people. Number one, trouble comes because, just three ways I'm going to touch tonight on how people get into trouble. Because the way I get into trouble or troubles comes upon my life determines how I must deal with it. Meaning, if God brings a trouble, I cannot rebuke it. There's a different course of action that needs to be taken. So the first type of trouble is, say with me, devil-caused. It is devil-caused troubles. It is problems that uh, is, comes from Satan and almost have no participation by us. Are you guys with me? I see things are jumping or moving all over the show. Um, if the guys can just communicate with me. If the internet dropped again because you know they put unless if we have people that can't do maths again in the back that's usually it um, unless if it did cut because I see that we are over a thousand people and then suddenly it drops to like many hundreds less so there's definitely some drop or somebody that can't do maths uh, so with the God's perfect will So uh, then they delay very much on the numbers, very, very much. Oh no, they do the counts wrong. One, two, three, they can't count. It's David, it's Pastor David that can't count. Sorry, it distracts me because I see like a lot of people and then they half the number. And then they're going to say to me, no, 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 we never did. No, you did. I'm looking here, I see, I don't know, uh, close to a thousand people. I can see the numbers here in front of me here, but then they put different ones here. It's fun. It's just because we are on TV and we are uh, broadcasting. So we want to make sure that those things stay right and that there's not a break in the message. Show with me, devil caused troubles. Go to Job chapter number one, verse one. Job one, verse one. If the screens are working, otherwise I'm going to read out of the Bible. Okay. Job 1 verse 1. So the first one is the devil causing a trouble that is outside of our participation. Meaning, something is just happening to you outside of your, uh, your, ah, you didn't do anything. 
to cause what is happening to you. Now, but that is very few, so don't put yourself into that category. But it can happen. There was a man in the land of Uz. And this we will put into the area and category of curses that comes from generationally. You cannot help if you're born into a family where a curse of God is upon that family. But then you have to take responsibility. Are you guys with me? Renounce the curse, repent on behalf of the sins of your father or your parents and etc. Uh, take responsibility for that curse so the curse can be lifted. But look at what happened to Job's life. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was, say with you, blameless and upright. We have a big problem in Scripture right here now. And one who feared God and shunned evil. Job was blameless and he was upright. Yet Satan took everything from him. Are you guys with me? Let's read the scripture. Say with me, blameless. That means he had no open door that, was, that he could take note of. He was blameless in the eyes of God. He was upright in the eyes of God. Let's go verse 2. And seven sons and he had seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Ten children. Next verse. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. Let me just explain what I, I'll, I'll explain now what a camel is and the, the worth of these creatures or livestock. 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Are you guys with me? Relative to, um, relative to, to percentage, if I can say it like that, in terms of his wealth, they say up until now, anybody in the East have not surpassed his wealth. Relative to percentage and uh, and uh, you know, so not don't look at the worth of camels today. You have to look at the worth of to those days. To have a camel was similar to driving a Ferrari. He had three thousand. To have a horse was maybe I don't know uh, an, an, a nice car. To have a donkey, Toyota. Um, but five hundred yoke of oxen. 500 yoke of oxen, which means that it was 500 groups of oxen that were yoked together, 500 groups of them, which means that it was more. I don't know how much there is in a yoke, 12 or something like that, 8 or 12. Um, so a lot. The man was wealthy. Are you guys with me? He was blameless, he was upright, and he feared God. Thank you, they're doing the maths correct now. We still have to struggle with this type of problems. Uh, he was, the man was wealthy. He was, uh, he, he, he was blessed, upright, blameless, and he feared God on top of it. He would give generously to people. He was fulfilling everything when it comes to God looking at him and saying, this man is blameless. In fact, 
He was so blameless and upright that God began to boast about him. Let's go to verse 4. And his sons would go and feast in their houses. They all had houses. Each on his appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt of the man did early prayer meeting mornings. He rised early in the morning and did burnt offerings. People here are not even attending early morning prayer meetings. Okay, I'm getting to a point you're going to see now. And offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. He did sin offerings on behalf of his children. He was a good person. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. So I'm not going to carry on reading. The Satan comes. He presents Job's life. He found a legal open door, which was that Job feared the worst that's going to come upon him. It was a legal open door, but it was not a sin per se in the eyes of God and something that he could have helped with. Because the Bible says he's blameless and upright. Are you guys with me? He's blameless and upright. Yet Satan brought his case in a courtroom setting before God. And we have taught on this extensively, especially on our Sunday mornings, to explain the courtroom setting. Satan comes and accuses people. You have Jesus as our, uh, as our advocate. You have uh, Satan as our accuser. You have the 24 elders as a jury. You've got the council of heaven as a jury. You have God as the ultimate judge. And we see this courtroom setting in the Old Testament from uh, uh, the book of Job, in fact, from much earlier, uh, right through to the book of Revelation. And everything about God is about Him being a judge. Meaning, even above His love is justice. Because justice fulfilled is love. Okay, so God's love was portrayed in putting justice on His own Son at the cross. Are you guys with me? That was His love. Imagine you kill your own child. That's your love now. So we don't have a concept and a great image of what love is. So Satan brings Job's case before God and say, you know, this man is so perfect. You know, uh, if you touch him, I say that he will not serve you. And I'm just paraphrasing. And the Lord says, no, you know, you, you will serve me. He's blameless. Look at him. His life is upright. He fears me. And God begins to boast. And Satan says, I if I remove everything from him, if I strike him with sickness, if I touch his life, he will not worship you. He will not be as loyal. Meaning he's only as loyal because of the, and he's only worshiping you because of the things that he has. And the Lord says, no, he's not like that. And he says, do it, but just don't take his life. Let me swing the picture of reality a little bit. We think that the things we're going through is because God is against us. It might just be that if the things that you're going through is because God is boasting and saying, but wait, there's a character in this person. They will not curse me. They will serve me. Are you guys with me? Now, 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 it goes, it goes on. 
So Job loses everything, yet the man did nothing wrong. In our life, we lose a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and we say, you know, I don't want to come to church anymore. I don't want to serve God anymore. And then you still sinned and did all these other open doors, but you just think God doesn't love me because, you know, my, bus my first business didn't work. Attaching the relationship we have with God with material things. And the moment we lose the material thing or a blessing, we think that oh, God doesn't love me and we don't serve God anymore. Yet Job was blameless and upright and the man had everything. 3,000 Lamborghinis. But this happened in one day after he lost everything. His wife left him. His kids died. Are you guys with me? Sickness hit him. Boils, sores all over his body. That society kicked him out. And he became, he became an outcast. Everything happened to him. Even his friends came and they said, listen, just curse God and die. And they began to prophesy. They said, listen, because of this and this and this that you've done is why these things happened to you. And they came and prophesied falsely to him. Yet Job said, I will keep my face towards the face of the Almighty. And we want to give up in an area where uh, one thing goes wrong or one thing goes wrong there. Listen here. Have fortitude or staying power where you serve God. People will go from one church to the other and this church is just not greeting me, you know, by the door or they're not, you know, uh, how dare they ask for money and let me pack up my things and go to the next one. Why is this pastor rebuking me? Let me pack up my things and my family and I go to the next church. And we never get planted and we become a shallow Christian. Job said, it doesn't matter if my family is killed, if all my possessions is lost, I will not turn my face from the Almighty. I will keep steadfast upon Him. Are you guys with me? Meaning it doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter if the enemy is taking things away or taking finances away or coming against your business. If it is a test, say with me a test. Maybe it is a test on how much God loves you. But he's saying, if you say, listen, I am not going to turn my face away from you. Why? The one that watches over Zion neither sleeps nor slumbers. Like the mountains of Jerusalem, God surrounds me with his armies. Are you guys with me? Even though the righteous suffers, the Lord will deliver them out of all trouble. Say with me, all things. The Bible says the righteous suffers many troubles, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So say with me, Satan caused or devil caused troubles. So the first part of troubles is what Satan causes in our life. The way I get through it is by keeping my face upon God, knowing that the scripture says that even though I am righteous, I will suffer troubles, but the Lord will deliver him out of it all. Are you guys with me? 
And when I do that, how do I deal with this devil cause problems? If I can say devil cause, Satan cause, it is Satan inflicted. It is not by my participation per se. It's not from God. It comes from Satan. I submit to God. I resist the devil and he will flee. Number two, what is the second type of trouble we go through as believers? So with his self-imposed or self-caused troubles, where do we see this happening in Scripture? Uh, the prodigal son. Prodigal son said to his father, give me my share, my part of inheritance. And he took his, by his own will, Satan didn't make him do it. Are you guys with me? The devil didn't make him do it. So we're not here to blame the devil on everything. Because one of the weaknesses of deliverance ministry is people want to just leave responsibility and say the devil made me do it. Um, so they, the prodigal son says, give me my share, my portion of inheritance. He took it. He wasted all his inheritance, slept with prostitutes, ended up in bars in a pig's pen. Picks then, and then he said, he came, the Bible says these words, he came to himself. Say with me, he came to himself. He came to his senses. And then he said these words, he said, you know, my father's servants are living a better life than me. Yet I'm a son of my father and I'm here not even having food to eat, but my father's servants have food to eat, have more than me to eat. And the Bible says he came to himself. He came to his own senses and he went back to his father and he made right. Go with me to, go with me to 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2 verse 26. 2 Timothy 2 verse 26. Zerano sede. One of the areas, go for 25, one of the areas of deliverance. Let me read it to you here. This is now, so remember, the first one was devil-caused troubles. The second way of troubles is, say with me, self-caused, self-imposed. How do I get delivered out of a self-imposed trouble that comes upon me? It says this way, it says, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so they may know the truth, next verse, or next part, and that they may come to their senses. So if we come to their senses, what does this do? And escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. What happened to the prodigal son? By his own will and lack of senses, he asked the inheritance of his father because he had no wisdom. And then he went out with a prodigal living and he became a tool in the will of Satan. The scripture says there are those in the church taken captive by Satan to do his will in the church. And when a problem is self-imposed, I have to come to my senses and say, I will shake myself from this thing. And the moment I come to my senses, it says and that they may come to their senses. Deliverance. We think deliverance is only the mind or emotional. No, the way demons enter is through your five senses. 
taste, touch, smell, hear, see. Comes to the eye gates. Comes to the mouth gates. Comes to the ear gates. Are you guys with me? Comes to the touch gates. What I touch through my five senses. My five senses is the way I communicate in the natural world. It is the gateway into my body. It is the gateway into my body. So many of us touch things we are not supposed to be touching. We are in places and we see things we are not supposed to be seeing. And just by seeing or connecting my eyes with something and opening up, what is my eyes? Say with you, the windows of the soul. The Bible says the lamp of the body is the eye. And if the eye is full of lights, your whole body will be full of lights. My body is a room. I have a door, but my, the light comes in where? By my eye. In a room, where does light come in? Say with me, a window. So a, your eyes is the soul, is the windows of your soul. Whatever I look at, the enemy can come in through that. Whatever I listen to, if I listen to gossip, guess what? A spirit of gossip takes hold of me. All of a sudden, I want to become part of the gossipers. All of a sudden, I begin to gossip because there's a spirit of gossip that took a hold of me. Is it okay? I, I, I'm sure people know all these things that we're teaching tonight because your response is like a, it's like the prodigal son's response. I don't know. So if you come to my senses, this is where some people will say, you know, they're just sitting in their house, lazing in their house. So trusting God for a miracle. God is going to do, no, God is not going to do anything. He's waiting for you to come to your senses and to actually go and do something about it. To find yourself and say, I'm going to start serving in the church. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start being active. I'm going to do something. Are you guys with me? So, so the third area of trouble, of problems. Say with me, God imposed. There are problems that we go through that is caused by God because of disobedience. And don't, let's not be in this mindset where we are, okay, but God will never do it. Oh, no, no, no. You will cause problems even for your own children to let them learn a test. I'm not saying breaking their arm. You will just make things difficult. And you know, the moment that you make something difficult and not too easy for them, for them it feels like hell on earth when you make something difficult. But you know it's got a redemptive end. Are you guys with me? Well, I hope you as parents do that. Um, kick them out of the house, at least. Uh, that's the first step. Some people sit with uh, man-childs and 45-year-old, uh, 50-year-old. You are 70 year old and you're still saying shame, my poor, uh, my poor son, you know. He should have been kicked out on his bum 30 years ago already. And in that way, we as a parent does injustice towards our children. We kill them like that. And yes, I don't have grown children and yes, I don't have the place to speak, but I've seen this over and over and over. So God took Adam and Eve and kicked them out of the garden for their own good. Yes, they sinned, but it was also for their own good. He had a redemptive purpose, a redemptive end. 
and he is just, he is justice. The moment they touched that which he said in the garden not to touch, him as a judge was now opposed by Satan because of what they did and he had to pass a law to do it. Understand the court setting of God. It is nothing about law or being under the law. No, no, no. It is about justice. And that's the image and the picture of God in heaven that has gone from the book of Genesis to Revelation. So say with the God imposed troubles. What is a, who is a person in the scripture that was pushed or imposed by God? Jonah, when we look at Jonah, this is a man that God said to him, I want you to go and prophesy, preach to Nineveh. And in his obstinance, in his stubbornness, he refused. Meaning the Lord said to him, I have this call upon your life. And he refused to go the way that God called him. And a storm was sent, but not only to him, to everybody that was in contact with him. Are you guys with me? Jonah lies on a ship. The Bible says he's sleeping. And the storm is hitting the ship to the fact that, uh, that people are going to die. And they said they were not going to make it, those who were on the ship with him. Jonah is sleeping. This is not a good sleep like Jesus in the storm. This is a sleep where God is trying to call you, putting a call of God upon your life. And you are in slumber and a sleeping state. And you don't hear him. And as a result of you not hearing him, your family is busy dying. Your family is losing their cars or their houses. Because everybody connected to you is suffering because you're not entering or answering the call of God. Are, are you guys with me? So they take him. Then they begin to get into uh, 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 funny witchcraft on the ship. They say, we think it is, it is him. How do they knew that? I don't know. But they said, you know, we're feeling this is Jonah. And the Bible says they took him and they threw him. Before they threw him over, over, over the board, overboard, they said this. The Bible says this. They took, they begin to take all their goods on the ship and they threw it into the sea. Make, to see if they can get the weight right that the storm doesn't take them out. Somebody that doesn't answer the call. God will begin to remove all your goods until you can get to a place of being so in the bottom, whether it's in a fish's belly, until you say yes. It was not that Jonah didn't want to go preach there at Nineveh. He had another place he wanted to go preach. So it's not that somebody doesn't want to do the call of God. They have another idea of what they want really. They say, yes, God, I'll answer your call, but I want to do it my way. Are you guys with me? And God will bring a storm, a, a God-caused problem against you until you come to a place of surrender. Obviously, you are all in the call of God. Say with me, go the right direction. Say it again. Say, go the right direction. Meaning the moment or while I'm not answering, I'm obstinate. My family is suffering. Uh, my family is not getting a job or those who are living with me all are suffering because the storm is hitting them because of me. So now people are dying because of you. Or the moment you die, they wait till you die so that things can go easier with them. I don't know if you are. 
That is why some people have to wait for somebody to pass away before their storm ends. This is called gracious. God will send a storm not caring who's around that person because the call on that person is greater. Are, are you guys with me? God isn't too much... He's not too worried about somebody's life. I, I don't know. I'm very, very contradict or very... Uh, I'm going to step on your toes. He... In the Old Testament, and please, God didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? Somebody breaks rank. It was Miriam and Aaron. They begin to break rank. And the Lord comes and He says, Oh, okay, you're breaking rank. I'm killing 180,000 people. Let the earth swallow them up. Because of one or two people's sins. Why? Because somebody tried to break rank or break authority. I want you to get the image of God. That there might be a call of God upon your life. Where he says, I want you to go higher. I want you to go into a different direction. But things are going wrong because you're refusing the call of the Holy Spirit inside of your heart. You know kind of like what to do right. But you refuse and being obstinate and being stubborn and say, I'm not going to, I'm going to do it my way. How many people have I seen that lost their calls? Especially when money is involved. Because they want to do it their way. That is why it is easier to get saved when you are young. It is easier to answer the call when you are young. Before money comes in. And responsibility comes in. And now God wants you to give all of that up and follow me like, no, it's too much. This is not a message that's going down. Going down very well. But that's the reality. I thank God that I got saved earlier. I'm not saying those who are older, there's no hope. I'm just saying it's going to be harder. The, you see it's silent. It is, very, it is very silent. That's the reality. Because the way God required me to give everything up, it doesn't change by age. At least I made the decision when I was young to say, follow. but imagine I'm now my age and I have everything. I've got a successful career, not in ministry, a successful career in the court. And I must give it up by virtue on a word from God. And please, I'm not saying just give up all your stuff. Hear from God first. Okay. And don't blame us if it doesn't work. Follow God. Elijah said to Elisha, what have I to do with you? God called you, not me. Elisha came to him and said, listen, can I please go say goodbye to my parents? Elisha said, don't ask me permission. What have I, I didn't, I'm not the one who has called you. If, yes, I would not want Pastor Martin to fail or Pastor Stephen to fail. I would not, but they can't blame me if the call of God doesn't come pass on their lives. It's their responsibility. I never called them. God called them. Are you guys with me? So say with me another direction. There's a scripture. You can put on Isaiah 54 verse 17. And this is now where we get a little bit of it. And I'll close off with this. But this is where we now try to apply the word as a general way on all of us. And uh, just say that, um, you know, oh, this word is for me. This scripture is for me. While there is conditions. We love to read this verse, 
No weapon formed against you shall prosper. We love to hear that verse. Yet it's not for everyone. It's for those who go the right direction. There's a difference between a Christian and a servant of God. I'm going to say it again. There's a difference between a Christian and a servant of God. A servant of God has become a bond servant of Jesus Christ. A bond servant says, I, my life is not my own. I have willfully sold my life and given my life to another one to own me. Whatever he says goes in my life. If he says left, I go left. If he says right, I go right. If he said like, Abraham, listen, leave your parents' house, your father's house, and go to a land that I will show you. And when you get there, you will prosper, not on the way. But go to a place where I will not tell you yet to go. Even if once you only leave, then I'll begin to speak to you. Are you guys with me? So listen, we like to use, obviously we like to use this verse where it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Yet this verse is not for every Christian. No weapon, say with me, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It's not for everyone. For who is it? And listen, let me carry on reading. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Next verse. This is, what is? The fact that the weapon can come against you but not, not prosper. That you will have supernatural protection upon your life. This protection is for, this is the heritage of the, not the people of God. The Lord said to Miriam and Aram, have you not, were you not afraid to come against my servant, Moses? Not just Moses, he is not like all the other prophets to whom I speak in a vision or a dream and I make myself known to them. All the other prophets is here, but Moses is here. Why? The other prophets were prophets, but Moses was a servant. He says, were you not afraid to speak against my servant? The word servant is what we call in the Greek doulos. It is somebody that doesn't own their life and they are sold to somebody else. Where the book of Corinthians says that you are not your own. Your life has been purchased with a price. You have been bought with a price. Are you guys with me? Say with me, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is for me. Listen here. Meaning that this scripture cannot be used by anybody. For example, somebody pulls out a gun and put it against you. Are you a Christian or are you a servant? I know it is going to, meaning, no, not them saying that. Somebody's putting a gun against you, breaking jails, want to shoot you. The question of your protection comes down to, are you just a Christian that's just, you got saved and you're just doing your own thing. Why does God need you? Why is your life, why must your life be protected? Do you care for others? 
Are you the life source of somebody? Do you give finances? Are you taking care of an orphan? Are you taking care of, of somebody that can't take care of themselves? Are you a leader in the church? Are you serving? Where if your life is lost, that people will actually miss you or be dependent upon you. He says, when you are my servant, then the gun that is put against your life, when somebody breaks into your house, they will pull the trigger, but nothing will happen. Say with you, divine protection. Stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Say with you, supernatural protection. How does it come? Say with you, being a servant of God. Meaning, make a decision tonight to say, I want to become a servant of Christ, not just a Christian. Not just somebody who he died for and I'm a Christian and I'm serving no purpose in this life. No, I must be at a place that if my life is lost, that God will miss me. Please don't listen to my words as I speak. You will find, you will say I'm a false teacher. I'm speaking to you spiritually right now. And as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit will convict you in certain areas. Why must he heal you? Mm, are you guys with me? Why must He deliver you? Why must He bring you a breakthrough? What is your life going to do after that when He gives you a breakthrough? Because we preach this gospel where we say it is the will of God for everybody to be blessed. Mm, we preach that sugar-coated one. It's okay for your Sunday morning Christians to appease their conscience. But really, we know those who are preaching know that this thing only applies to those who are really servants of God. Are you guys with me? Those who are running businesses and they are a kingdom uh, business, a kingdom advancer, a kingdom financer. Every amount they make is with a sole purpose to say, I want to extend and advance the kingdom with us. I'll one day teach a little bit on the Jewish concept of giving. Where it is so intense that the rabbi will come to a Jew and say, listen here, you must give this much now to the synagogue. And that Jew will go upon themselves. It'll be an amount that is above their salary. They will not dare say no. Because they understand that rabbi carries the authority of scripture. And they speak by a law. I think it's called Tetuva, and I'll, 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 preach, I'll preach on it one day. That they understand the blessing of God that I think Pastor Mott was speaking about rich being in also in, uh, in, in, in tithing. You know, uh, uh, this is a bit of a different context, but they understand the concept of tithing. That the only place scripture says where we can test God is in tithing. And that word test actually doesn't mean test. It's got a different meaning where it comes where it is that God will give you such breakthrough. But he wants to know what do you do with your finances? Do I just want to be blessed for the sake of being blessed? Or have I made a, have I made a pledge? And what they will do as, as uh, in this Jewish custom, they would go find an organization. But the organization's principles must be godly. And the foundation must be of God. And then they will write checks in advance out to that organization. 
then they will go and do business the same way they've always done business, but it will carry the blessing of God. And all of a sudden they'll make four times more the amount that they've given. Now, I know we under, I understand we are not Jewish. I understand that, that we are in Christ. But the only two religions that are walking hand in hand parallel together is Jews and Christians. Where Christians can take the truth that Jews have regarding the, the, uh, uh, the Torah. Are you guys with me? Because they study scripture much more than, than charismatic pastors and preachers that I can promise you that when it comes to the Old Covenant and the Old Testament. And they found this principle that you cannot outgive God. It is a secret in the Bible. The word favor in the Hebrew is in, the, is in English, is in the Hebrew shayen, which is where we get the same English word from, which is coin. So when you look at finances, remember there were not notes, in the, it was coins. Uh, in the Old Testament and when you would look at coins or finances it means the favor of God Cheyenne that when favor is upon you there's no such thing as God's favor being upon you and you're not being blessed financially there's no such thing when his favor rests upon you hands will open to you and give you automatically where you are people will give into your bosom when the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men come and give into your bosom. The word bosom is the same as bank accounts. Bosom was where they carried all their finances to do trade. What do we do trade out of today? Our bank accounts. So when you give, and this is not taking up an offering, but you can give as you, if you feel it. But uh, this, uh, as I give, men will come and put into what my bank account are you guys with me once favor rests upon you raise your hands wherever you are raise your hands say with me say heavenly father i choose this day to be a servant of christ a servant of god not just a christian to go beyond Christianhood and lay my life down for you in the name of Jesus Christ that no weapon formed against me shall prosper that these three areas of troubles and problems will be settled today in the name of Jesus Christ